Well, good morning. How are you? Jerry, are you doing good? Excellent. Thank you. Well, this is our last talk, talk on Engage for this whole month of January. We have been using this bunker as an illustration of how we want to be as Christians. We want to come out of the bunker. And to help me with this, a good friend, Phil Potter, said, you know what will really help your messages? So he gave me this. So he said, if I use this, it will really help. The only problem, I can't breathe in this. <laughs> Phil, this thing stinks. So, <laughs> But anyhow, the whole idea is that we as Christians, we have been called to be both salt and we've been called to be light. What that means is we are to be separate from the world to help purify this world and bring light and truth. That's what the first week was all about. We talked about how Jesus said in Matthew, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. And as salt, if you lose your taste, you're not good for anything. Hey, Chris, have you... Oh, sorry, guys. Um, my buddy from college just yeah. filled up his gas tank for under $10. 87 cents a gallon where they live. Isn't that... There you go. <laughs> Amen. Sorry. Jared, Jared. Go ahead. Go ahead. Do your thing, bro. Oh, Where, what in the world was I talking about? Oh, yeah. We're also light. Light means that we are to shine in ignorance and darkness. Jesus said, if you're a light, you don't hide it under a bushel. You proclaim it. You become more Chris, like... So, I, sorry, but I didn't know it was Marlene's birthday today. Marlene Henry, wherever you are, happy birthday. She's in She's Florida. She's in Florida. Oh, that's the worst. George, we just look. That's the worst. Quiet. Will you just so be quiet? I'm sorry. All right. Continue on. Second week, we soldier. talked about politics. We have to learn how to be just better at communicating what we believe without ridicule, without slamming people. We are salt and light. Last week, we talked about this whole. <laughs> have you. Chris, have you seen this video where uh, what's your face uh, Fade impersonates uh, Sarah Palin again on her rant about endorsing Donald Trump? Have you seen that one? No. No? No. You know what, Jared? Sit on this chair. Why? Come out of the bunker. Sit on this chair. I have a video for you to watch. All right? Why, All right. Don't, why don't you just watch this video? I have a video in front of me. I'll watch this one. Just watch, Jared.
And the point of this is engage. That's what we want to talk about. And today we want to talk about social media. How do you be salt, how do you be light with social media? Jared and I, have, uh, we wanted to make this less a sermon and more kind of an interactive, just yep. honest conversation of what, um, what does it mean to be salt and light when we use our devices, when we get online, when we go through a Facebook feed or a Twitter feed? What does it mean to be a Christian? And so... Um, We've come up with four thoughts, four things we want to warn you about. And we're going to ask you to monitor. Think about the way you use electronics. And these four things, we're going to say avoid these four things. But on the other end, we're going to give four suggestions, answers, or ways to look at it. I am going to be more or less uh, the navigator navigating us through this. I'm going to give some thoughts, refer to the Bible once, once in a while. Jared is going idea. to be, yeah, yeah I, that's, that's why idea. we're here. Yeah. Will you quit interrupting me? Jared will be our millennial. Have you heard my new ringtone, Chris? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, didn't you have a new yeah. one? Yeah, seriously, this guy, you guys will be so happy with this. Wait for it. Wait for it. It's so worth it. You just got to wait. <laughs> it's the Shire music. So. So this, is, this is our millennial expert. He is social media guru. So he is going to, I'm going to talk about really the bigger ideas and Jared's going to bring it down to practicality. So here we go. We're going to talk about four things. And the first thing is we got talking about it. Mm-hmm. It's one that you rarely talk about, but I think this is probably the main issue when it comes to social media. And it's the idea of diversion. It takes us from away from things that really matter. I was reading this article by Blaise Pascal, and he said life has three levels. The first level is the physical level. The things I can see, hear, touch, taste. That's really what social media is. It's immediate. Then you have the second level, the level of intellectual reasoning, logic, discussion. And the third level is the spiritual level, the level when I engage the living God. And he went on to say, he said, those activities that can absorb us on one level can thereby divert us powerfully from any participation on another level. Meaning if we get so absorbed with the physical level, it has the potential just kind of keeping us away from the intellectual or the spiritual level. Like one person said, Jared, said it's, it's rare to find a scholar athlete. What would you say? What do you think they mean by that? Yeah, I think, that? I think the whole idea is in my mind, I think of that as like a stewardship of time issue. We only have so many hours in a day. And for an athlete or somebody who has to devote that much time to training their body, they don't have 12 hours a day left over for them to study up on something. So you're pretty much you're honed in on what, what it is you spend your time on. And for the athlete or somebody like that, kind of a blanket statement. But essentially you get the idea. When they have to focus that much on something, other things slide, and, and the same thing works with social media. Yeah. If I'm fixated on this for hours upon hours a day, I'm neglecting other things I really ought to be doing. You know? And in um, another statement, he said, almost anything in life can be used as a diversion. Mm-hmm. Block us from awareness and appreciation of another level in the Satan one. God puts it like this on the other end. He said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, then all of these other things will be yep. added unto you. And I just think we're always diverted. We are talking yeah. about, as Jared and I were talking about diversion, he goes, oh, by the way, <laughs> have, you, <laughs> have you seen this video? Go I'm ahead. really great at diverting people, apparently. <laughs> um, 
So this is a classic example. And basically, Chris and I are up here not like, we have this mastered and figure out. We do these things too, and we're trying not to. But essentially, earlier this week, I, had, I found this video. Have you guys seen the one of the guy who's riding a bike and the bear starts chasing him? Raise your hand if you've actually seen that one. Awesome. Derek, is that you? I can't see. You're in the... Dark. The reason why Derek thinks it's awesome, Jared and Derek share videos often while I'm trying to study the book of Luke. It's, it's crazy. True. It's diversion. I rebuke that, Chris. That's not right. All right, so... This is a classic example of diversion. You're working, you're, you're spending time with your family, and then, hey, have you seen incoming diversion? It's on your way. So, all right, this is an example of a diversion. This is that video I was talking about. So, the guy puts his GoPro on his head, right, his camera. He's going to go for a nice bike ride. Look at it. It's all oh, beautiful. It's green. Nice, peaceful trail. Oh! Oh, snap. <laughs> Run for your life, man! <laughs> oh, still there. <laughs> Keep going. Keep going. At about this time, I was wondering, I wonder how his quads are feeling about right now. Pedal. Pedal. You can outrun the bear that, by the way, can run 40-something miles an hour. Run. So he's still going. Maybe if I look back now. Oh, still there. All right. So I'm like, Chris, have you seen this? This bear is after this guy. The worst part of the video is coming up. Trust me, the video is better with my commentary. All right. So he's continuing on. May oh, nope, the bear's still there. What's he going to do? What is he? Oh, no. Stick in the road. And now he's on foot. Run to the hills. <laughs> Shh, guys, the bear's going to hear you quiet down. Peek-a-boo. This is a classic example of a diversion. Hey, have you seen this video? No, you haven't? Oh, you've got to see this video. And so while I'm studying Why? in my office, Why? trying to pray, Jared's like, pedal, 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 hold on. <laughs> what in the, what's going on? He goes, come here, you won't believe it. <laughs> Two hours later, what in the world happened? And I just think as we talk about diversion, I think that does that for all of us. Yep, it's, it's a all temptation for sure. What do you, as we were talking about it, you said, you know what diversion takes us away from is the whole idea of being present. What does yeah. that mean? My wife and I actually talk about this one often. Like you saw in that video, the first one we played, the couple that's sitting down at a restaurant together at a date. So they're together, right? But he's, he's on a screen. He's right here doing his thing. And she seems like she's looking for a conversation. And he's just, uh-huh, yeah, uh, whatever. It is so easy. My wife and I have felt this, this tension as well. It is so easy when you have a smartphone or a device or something like that to be on it at all times. And the whole idea, there's a book that came out. Um, together Alone. Yeah, the whole idea is we are alone together. Yeah, alone together. That's what the book is called. And think about that concept for a while. Ultimately, I'm alone. I'm by myself, occupying myself, watching a video or surfing social media, browsing something, checking it, whatever it is. But we're together, but we're not really together. And so one of the things, just very practically speaking, that, that we try to do on dates is, unless the babysitter rings, the phones are out of sight, out of mind, so that we can actually look at each yeah. other. I mean, this is a little more awkward because you're not as pretty as my wife. Thank you. But actually gazing into uh, one another's get out, eyes. Sit down. Chris. Oh. Pray so. for me. I have to work with this guy. But Jared, you know, after, you. after the first service, some people yeah. came up and go, I'm so glad you talked about that because my grandkids do this oh, all yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah. But there is, what I said, instead of getting angry, just say, hey, do you mind turning that off? I think what has happened is really the younger generations have grown up on that. They're yeah. not doing it to be jerks. They're not doing it to be selfish. 
they just have learned that. And sometimes the older people feel mm -hmm. that, no, they are just rebellious, they don't want to sure, talk. Sure. Just ask them. Do you want to talk? Yeah. And I think that's, instead of getting angry about that and say, oh, you're so right, Jared, no, yeah. uh, no. Ask people, hey, you want to talk? And you, you don't mind turning that off. Just be nice instead of ripping people apart. And it's kind of the same concept when you're in a conversation because it's easy if your phone's on you. For, this is just an example. And I'm talking with Chris, and all of a sudden my, my phone goes off. Wait just a second. What did I do, do just there? If I go to check my device, I've instantly told Chris, wait, whatever you're saying can wait. There's something more pressing right here that just in my pocket. And do that again, that's pretty good. You kind of got to go up on, on one leg when you do it, you know. He had bean, beans for, for breakfast. And it, so, so the, so the, the answer, <laughs> so to combat this the version, very productive well, day, we got to move tell. through this because you'll keep, <laughs> I, you know. You anyhow, invited me. Anyhow. So the answer for diversion is a gift of the Holy Spirit that I think is lacking in our generations, in our culture. The gift of spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, and self-control. Self and self-control is literally walking worthy of the calling you've received. We are to be like Christ. Christ loved people. He engaged with people. And he knew what they needed when they needed it. And I think self-control is learning to shut things off when they need to be shut off. You put it like this. I remember talking to you about self-control. You called it balance. What do you mean by balance? And then you said something yeah. about fasting, too. Yeah, the way that I think about it is we're not up here saying social media is bad. Don't use it. It's horrible. It's inherently sinful. It's going to ruin your life. We're not saying that, but with anything, you've got to have balance in your life. Where are your boundaries? Where are your priorities? You said it? your friend called it what? what do you, how did your friend put oh, the media that? that it was amoral? Oh, yeah, he said it was neutral. That's the word. Neutral. Yeah. Social media, the concept, being able to communicate with other people is inherently neutral. Because of our own sin nature, we can easily twist something like that to be corrupted or evil, or we can use it for good means, which we'll talk about more later. But really the idea of balance it, very practically speaking, there are simple things we can do to say that this is not the most important thing in my life. You can shut it off. The, the mess, there's a thing called voicemail. Amazing. Calls can go to it. Just because somebody calls you in that moment doesn't mean you instantaneously have to pick up the phone. You know, you can wait. Call them back later that day when it's a more convenient time. Well, you said something about fasting. What about that? Yeah, there's been times in my life where I've gone, you know, half a year or something without Facebook just for the sake of realizing, well, oh, this is, takes too much of my time. I waste too much time on this. I'm just going get, to get rid of it so I can exercise self-control a little bit better. I was, I was telling Jared, as we, he, was, he mentioned, yeah, we, I think it's good to suggest a, a, a social media fast. And as oh, yeah. My first yeah. year when I was saved, I was a sports-aholic, specifically the Browns. How the Browns mm -hmm. played, they had a bad week. I had a terrible week. You can imagine, he was sad And he lot. was saying he did it. Well, he said, hey, you said you yeah. had the same problem with the Lions, and that's why oh, yeah. people thought you should go to Pine Rest. <laughs> yeah. But I I, I, as, I was driving, as I was driving the car, I turned on a radio, and it was a Christian radio station, and the guy suggested, he said, have you ever gone on a sports fast? And here's how you do it. For two weeks, stop sports. Have a journal and say, Write down what you have done instead of listening to sports radio, watching five hours of NFL football. Write down the other things you sure. did, you've done and then see the difference. And it shocked me what, what I was missing. Was, out it, of. was it hard to do that? 
like initially? For the, yeah, for the I would say for the first week yeah. it was tough, second week not too bad, and once I realized what I was missing, I'm like, wow, this yeah. is just, it's foolish. My, my wife is, is a wonderful human being. She, she called me out on this about three years ago. She could tell that on like Saturday morning, church, worshiping together, wonderful mood. Jared is happy, he's enjoying life. Jared gets home and starts watching the Lions game, which typically would end with Jared in a grumpy mood for some strange reason. And you know how wives can very subtly call you out on something in the most appropriate way? She's like, hey, you ever think it's an issue that your mood is affected by if they win or lose? Yeah, that might be an issue. So really from that point on, it's been this weird divide I almost put up where I view sports as simply entertainment. My life isn't like wrapped up in them anymore, but it's, yeah, I can watch a game and enjoy it. And if they lose, whatever, I'm used to it. If they win, ha, it's a miracle, you know? Let me just say one one more thing. And you said something as we were talking, I have written down, you told me once that you believe how you handle social media is a good indicator if you fear man or fear God. What do you mean? Yeah, um, it's very easy you guys have probably heard the fear of God and the fear of man. You've heard of those illustrations before. A fear of God, the biblical fear, respect, wanting glory for him, wanting honor, wanting to live in a way that pleases him. And then there's the fear of man, which, oh no, what are, I've got to post something. Maybe this is what it looks like on Facebook. I've got to post something so that I get some likes, because if I don't have those, I don't really have validation. And I need to make sure that people like me. That right there is one of the easiest ways that the fear of man can sneak into any social media interaction. How many likes do I get? How many people share my stuff? Who thinks that I'm smart? Who comments on my thing? And so really that leads to, that that naturally leads to the second thing is narcissism. Yep. That what social media does, it's not just diversion, but it can make me really be consumed with me. Mm -hmm. Narcissus is this Greek myth about this guy that stared at his, his reflection in the water so the gods turned him into a flower so he could look at it for the rest of his life. And in some sense... That happens to us on social media. It used to be vanity, which is thinking about how great I am, used to be a vice, something that was bad, something to be avoided. Now it's almost like it's a virtue. Flaunt it. <laughs> yeah, know? flaunt it. That, wow, am I something. You know, look, yeah. at, look at that picture. I'm going to touch it up a little bit with Photoshop, and I'm going to send it to everybody. And what's ironic about that is, God wants glory, Jared, doesn't he? Yeah. And, and sometimes yeah. I think we steal it. Why, why, is import, why is it important for us to recognize God's glory, and why is it important for us not to recognize our own? Yeah. Really, biblically, I think we all know this, but it's the reality that God alone is worthy of glory, not us in any respect. So that's why even Paul says, you know, if I'm going to boast in anything, I'm going to boast in Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection. That's what we sing in How Deep the Father's Love for Us. It's the idea that I've got nothing to flaunt. Paul had a litany of things that he could brag and and hold himself highly about, but he didn't do it. He said, I count that all as loss for the sake of this, because he realized that the only glory that should be there is God's glory. I I don't need to draw any attention to myself. And this is why social media can be a temptation towards narcissism. So how how much, how many needs does God answer for us? Everything. How many needs would, you know, being me, being caught up in myself, answer for you? The whole idea that a human cannot, cannot do it. We're a dead end. We're a robot. And so let's bring this practically then. Are selfies wrong, Jerry? Oh, the selfie. Who's ever taken a selfie? I've never taken a selfie, personally. <laughs> <But> nope. 
This is somebody else. This is, oh no. There's Derek. Ah. <laughs> oh, hey, wait a minute. Did you hear what he said? That was not given by permission. Derek, what you, it put, was public, what you Derek. put public will never, ever be lost from our memories. Shared to the world, my friend. <laughs> so his question, are selfies wrong? Is it inherently evil to take a picture of yourself and post it? What do you guys think? Yes, no? The wisdom of Jack, everybody. It's all in your attitude. Why? What's the motivation? Am I posting a picture of myself, you know, doing one of these, whipping my beard around, you know? No. <laughs> Typically, and I don't, again, I'm not a perfect example of this by any means, because I occasionally will take the selfie on somebody else's phone and set it in their background. My bad. If it happens, it happens. <laughs> But really, the idea behind it is, am I flaunting myself, trying to make people think that I'm something special, or can I laugh at myself? And I'm really, really good at laughing at myself, because I just don't take myself very seriously in that regard. So that brings up one more thing. This is the perfect example. Look at that. Jared, what is, what is you're talking about this? It's, you kind of just said this quick offhanded comment. I didn't know what you mean. You said, it's kind of like the humble brag. What is the humble brag? <laughs> Who knows what a humble brag is? Somebody's got to know. What's a humble brag, Andrew? I'm flaunting myself, but it's couched in humility, right? I'm making myself. It's like my, my example for this one is it's, it's wonderful to go on vacations. Bless you if you have that, that ability to go down. But it's the person who's like, oh, eight days straight of 80-degree weather. I don't know how much more of this I can stand. Bahamas. Huh? Them in, wait, wait a minute. Are we supposed to feel bad for you? I'm confused. Because you, you, you look like you have it really good. You said it like this. It's kind of like the Tuesday night dinner. <laughs> yeah. Check this picture out. It's like the person who comes home from work, and they post on social media, oh, such a long day at work. This is all I could throw together. <laughs> <laughs> really? I would love to see the spread that you make when you have time, you know? It's the humble brag, and we're all guilty of doing it. Runners are horrible. How about this one? <laughs> Runners are horrible. Check this one out. I can say this because I do it. Most people don't realize this, but you can run without telling people on Facebook about it. And Jared goes, I, we I were looking it. it up, I said, Jared, you, Jared goes, I know too many people, I'm going to get in trouble. So what was this next one? To get? Well, I figured it was okay because yeah. I do it too. So make it oh, myself. okay. But, but, you, right. but you, the next one, this it. one's great. Pastors do it too, everybody. Yeah. This is Rick Warren, 2010, he tweeted this. I'm truly humbled that you follow my tweets. I pray they enrich your life and strengthen your ministry. God bless all 200,000 of you. <laughs> bless you, ladies. Bless you. So, so what is the answer to narcissism? The answer to narcissism is, instead of focusing on self, yeah. God says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. I want to show you a verse that I think is interesting. It's on, it's on your, I updated I put it on your sermon notes. It's Ephesians 4.29. This is one of those verses I think we have missed in our culture. Not just missed it, but I, I think we view some of these Ephesian verses as suggestions. Like, oh, that's nice. But we don't live by it. Hmm. But listen to what Ephesians 4.29 says, and really take this to heart. 
especially when it comes to like argument on Facebook and that never happens, Chris. You're right. Ephesians 4:29. It says, "No, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths." You can put in there, "Let no corrupting talk come out of your keyboards." Let no corrupting talk come out of your Twitter feeds, your Facebook messages. Let no corrupting talk come out of your hashtags. But only such as is good for building up or building others up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. The point is, I remember I used to play um, King of the Mountain when I was a little kid across the street. We had four baseball fields, and in the middle was this giant dirt mound, and we'd go up there. And there's about 10 kids in the neighborhood. We'd play King of the Mountain. The way you play is you stand on top, and to stay up top, you knock everybody else down. That's what it seems like people do yeah. on social media with words. Mm -hmm. We rip on people. We're quick to mock people. We always have to win, win the argument. Where God says in Ephesians, lift each other up. Mm. What are ways, Jared, you would say... How do you do that? How do you lift other people up over social media? Yeah. I don't, that's hard to do. It's difficult, but what you mentioned earlier, I'm thinking about still, it's the, the fruit of the spirits idea. Like, are we actually communicating those things through our use of media, or are we, post, or are we communicating things like, instead of self-control, that I don't have any self-control over what I say? I think one of, the, one of the gifts, a little bit of a tangent, but one of the gifts of social media in when you actually communicate with other people or have an argument with them is the fact that you can read it before hitting send. Sometimes I wish I could do that with my mouth. It's, uh, you can't take the words back after you say them, you know. But social media, when you're thinking about how to communicate with somebody, maybe that you disagree with, how can you do that in love for the edification, for the building up of that yeah. person? And when you want to build them up, you're going to be, you're going to use your words better. You're going to use your words in such a manner where no, I'm, I might, actually, I think I disagree with you there. What did you mean by this? Ask for clarity. Don't just assume that they're your enemy because they hold to something are different we, than you do. When we get in an yeah. argument, are we supposed to love the other person we disagree with? Yeah, I with? think that's something that's biblical, Chris. Yeah. Okay. Loving that's, that's, one another, that's good. even on social media. What would you say then, um, just, just give me some quick ideas of when you're on Facebook, what are some good guidelines to show that you love somebody in an argument, or even when you yeah. use humor? Yeah, the first question, I would ask for clarity if you don't understand something, rather than just assuming somebody said this. Now, wait, what did you mean by that? Tell me a little bit more. Actually have a human conversation with somebody rather than just slamming them and digging into them. Ask for clarifying questions, that's a very helpful one to do. What was your second question? Humor, how do you use humor? I, I personally use humor just to lighten. Everything seems so tense on Facebook all the time, and it's just one of those things that if you can lighten the mood in any way, just, just for the sake of people's enjoyment, whatnot. It's not like a bringing glory to myself type of thing. You gotta watch yourself there, but things can get so tense so fast when people disagree. And a lot of times it's good, and a good way to love the other person is just to show some humor. Like, you know, I'm not gonna come up with an example off the top of my head. Well, you made me post this one, like this. this oh, this, Chris, this is what Chris It's me does. and my dog getting ready for the Engage series. He loves that face mask. He just bites me in the neck when I put See right there, it became the world's so, best, you know. So what we have is we've talked about social media is dangerous when it causes us to have diversion from what really matters. Social media is dangerous when we're narcissistic. Yeah. We're always thinking of us. But the most obvious, of course, is social media is dangerous when it comes to corruption. It's like a sewer. 
and it attracts a lot of sewage. It's funny, I was um, talking to, we were talking to Kelly Klum, and she's a photographer, and she says, even Instagram, she says, Instagram sounds like, oh, you're just sharing photos. She said, Instagram is one of the quickest ways to bring porn into somebody's life. Listen to what Psalm 101.3 says. This is, uh, this is a hard verse. And I think you have to, with, through, uh, through your walk with God, figure out how does this really apply to your life? Psalm 101 verse 3 is about how to walk with God with integrity. And David writes, I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. In the NIV it says, I will set no vile thing before my eyes. That's hard. Especially, Where do you draw the line with that? What's, well, especially when you go online. Thing? Have you guys ever gone online? You're going to look up an article, and as you go to look up an article, they have all these thumbnail pictures on the right side. And what those are, those are invitations to go deeper into the sewer, almost mm. every single one. They also are intended to cause you to click it. There's been some research on there's a chemical response to it. But each one of those articles, they get for every time you click it. So yeah. they're going to try to attract you. And the way they do it usually is either through a seductive picture or a headline that sounds, oh, I gotta read this. The infamous clickbait. Yeah, the I example would be, this. a man was riding his bike in the woods. You'll never imagine what happened next. And then, oh, I gotta see oh. it. And then you'll be lost for hours. You know, yeah. And, uh, and some of those clicks that you click on are sick. Like, I would say, uh, Jared, what would you, how, how much pornography do you think people really um, are quick, can easily access them? Yeah, if, if you want to do a, a sad statistical research, just look up that question. Even within the church, how often pornography is used amongst people. And, and that, that's to our shame. We need, we need to be a people that are pure. But the reality is, is things are so accessible online. I'm not... I'm not sure if parents know the degree of how easy it can be to look something up online. If you're not, if you don't set up filters on your household, if you don't have parameters and know what devices your kids have and things like that. Not just putting it all on kids, but even adults do this type of thing. So we need to be very aware that things can be instantaneously available and what you said, lead you deeper into the sewer. That's, so, that's a great metaphor yeah. because that's what it and does. And so the next point then is our objective should be to seek goodness. To really use it, uh, somebody said, go to the next slide, it's to, to really seek goodness. Yeah. To seek goodness. Philippians 4.8 says, whatever's true, whatever's right, whatever's noble, whatever's excellent. Think on those things. Just like Boyd came up after the first service yeah. and said, you can, you, this, is, this is a tool. Yeah. It's, it's a toy, but sometimes it's not, only, it's not really it's, supposed he, to be. Yeah, he basically said it's better if you view it as a tool. A tool over just a just tool. like a weapon, obviously, for the hunters out there. Your gun is a tool. It can be misused, certainly, and we hear things in the media about everything under the sun in that regard. But the reality is, is if you use the tools that you have in a safe and careful manner, it's beneficial. A hammer is wonderful and, and until so you it, hit your thumb with it. So as a know? tool, you have purpose with it. Yeah. So you go in, you don't go online just saying, oh, what's going to happen today? Know why you're oh, yeah. going. Know yeah. what you're going to look for. I'm just going to serve for a little while because I'm bored. Yeah, here, we, you and I were talking about this whole idea of goodness. And you said, you mentioned something about filtering in and filtering out. But with the filtering even out, you said people on Facebook, they, 
they click to stories that really they didn't write, but it stills attached to them. What, well, do you, what do you mean? Yeah, the idea of association. So for instance, just an example, if I were to read an article, a blog article that I liked, and I thought the content of that was great, or the headline was great, and I, I read this thing, and I'm like, this would be great for people, and I go to share that, instantly in your minds, even if you don't realize this is happening, you can very easily associate my name with not only the content of the article, but the author of that article, the website that it came from, the blog that it made of came from, all of those things, one could say, oh, Jared's like that. So when you share something, we need to think about where that thing comes from because it can very easily lead false impressions about like even cool, funny trucker really videos while everybody's swearing at. Oh yeah. So it's more That's, safe to share yeah. good, honest things like these, Chris, right there. Aww. Oh, or this one. Who knows what this animal is? What is it? Jonathan knows what is it? A pygmy marmoset. Are they are With they inherently good? Is that why? You Apparently. <laughs> this is another example of distraction or diversion. <laughs> so stupid. we're gonna hone it back in again. So you snuck goodness. that pygmy in on me. All right, the goodness. next one. Goodness. So we have diversion, we have narcissism, corruption, and the last one is idolatry. Idolatry is the idea that. This is starting to take the place of God. I, I did some research on what idolatry is, and here's the best definition I came up with. Is what I am seeking my all self-satisfying good? Is God my all self-satisfying good, or is something else my all self-satisfying good? And the way you can tell is if something's an idol, are these four things. You can ask yourself, am I lost without it? Man, if I lose my phone. Would you be all right? Would I be okay? Would you be all right if you lost your cell phone, Chris? Have you seen my cell phone? It should have been lost 15 years yeah, ago. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I try to lose it. My wife wants me to keep it, so it's my wife's fault it's an idol. Anyhow. Yeah. Sorry, Michelle, I'm kidding. Yeah. Uh, is it, does it cause me to disobey his word? <laughs> then it's an idol. It gives me greater joy than God himself. Then it's an idol. And, and, that's, and, and it goes along with the next one. Is Does it rejuvenate me? Do I need it to rejuvenate me? And these are tough because honestly, yeah. as pastors, we are supposed to give you the two answers. Do you know it's supposed to rejuvenate you and you know it's supposed to give you joy? Prayer. Read your Bible. And the Bible. But you know what? The way we say that, a lot of people say, yeah, those are the answers that are always right. But they should be. They should be. I think the Bible is... I, I, I think the Bible's amazing, personally. I think it's, it's wonderful, but it takes time to understand its beauty. It's sort of like, I feel the Bible is, is like a... God doesn't just give you everything. He gives it to those who want to seek it. Seek and you will find. Pursue it. Yeah. Pursue it. He's not a cheap date. John Piper actually says, uh, with spiritual disciplines, he yeah. has that duty to delight idea. Yeah. He says sometimes, he says, sometimes it's something like this, that duty is the crutch that leads us to delight. Sometimes when you open up your Bible, you might not, it might not be the most thrilling experience of your life, but over time, as you're saying, as you it's learn amazing. it, and you start to know the Word of God, you realize... This book is, is life. Like, God revealed himself to me. What a gift. Not, oh, my duty, my burden to have to. 
And in prayer, word, you know? prayer is just like that. Yeah. It's not like this. This is what idolatry is. Let's hang out tomorrow so we can ignore each other and play on our phones. You know, it's but we we laugh about it, but we're all kind of guilty at times with this. You know, it's very easy to do that type of thing. So the answer for this is then love for God. Mm-hmm. So Jared, here's a. I just have three things I want to have you finish us on, and then I'll close with a, a couple stories. How do we worship God through the media? Mm-hmm. How can we excite devotion with the media? And then thirdly is how, uh, just talk, give us some ideas of how you use it practically. Sure, sure. How do we worship God through the media? As I said before, social media, the ability to have these technological advances, isn't inherently bad and it's not inherently good, but we can use it for good purposes. And that's what we want to urge us all to do. So how do we worship God through the media? We have the blessing. I think we, we assume that this has always been the way it is. But we have so many Bibles. We have, so, just, this is just an example. Hundreds of years ago, before printing presses, people didn't have their own Bible. Thousands of years ago, you literally had to go to a church and you heard whatever they read from the scriptures that day. We have, because of technology, we, we can have Bibles on our phones. We have access. I prefer to have an actual concrete Bible, just because I feel like it might be a little less distracting than just scrolling on a device. But the reality is, is we have the scriptures so available to us that it's a really, really sad statistic that we are the most biblically illiterate generation in the past hundred years. We don't know our scriptures, and we have them everywhere. That should cause us to pause. But the reality is we can worship God through the media. Just the idea of via YouTube and different churches' websites, we can listen to sermons and hear the word of God. If we don't understand something, if I needed clarity, I can listen to a message again on the internet, there are Bible apps everywhere. There's this one right here. This is actually uh, something that one of my friends from college suggested to me. It's Echo. It's an app that you can put on your phone. That sole purpose is to remind you to pray and to keep a prayer log for you. So remember those times where somebody in passing, hey, could you pray for this? Oh, I'd love to pray for that. Three hours later, did you remember? It's hard to remember stuff like that at times. So things like this, they will send automatic reminders to your device, which can be a very helpful thing if, if used the right way. Like, wow, that's right. Uh, Johnny has a surgery at 8 a.m. today, and I wanted to pray for that, and somebody told me three weeks ago, and now I can remember it. There are different ways to redeem media and use it in a, in a wonderful way that's God-exalting. So how can we excite devotion? I think those ways are, are very practical. There's some of the things that I do specifically is I have, uh, I'm doing a Bible reading plan for the year, and Callie is too, but I, I was able to find on ESV's website, who had printed up this plan, an ability to run the... I like doing stuff like this, but basically run all of those days' readings into my calendar. So every day at 7 a.m., it reminds me of the scripture passages I want to read for that day. Pretty cool. And then I can click literally on the URL that's right there and read them all right in a row. It's, it can be a pretty handy thing if you, want, if you choose, to, choose to do technology that way. I still prefer a hard Bible, but either way, you know, there's a lot of ways that we can redeem media. We just got to be creative about it. Yeah, and so, you know? so those, those four pitfalls, yep. diversion, narcissism, corruption, mm-hmm. and idolatry, they're wrong. Those are wrong. But it doesn't mean this is wrong. It's how we yeah. use it. I, I'll just give you one illustration how it's really been a blessing in my life, but how it, I saw it really be an incredible distraction. The first story is about two years ago, University of Dayton, where I went to school, 
made it into the NCAA finals, or not finals, but NCAA tournament, did very well. Mm -hmm. It's called the Dayton Flyers. So they had this like Dayton Flyer group, and I liked it, and all of these friends that I went to college with when I didn't know Christ were like, Weeks, where you been? How are you? And they clicked on my name, and they started going to my blogs as a pastor. And I started getting likes from guys that I'm telling you, they wouldn't walk in any door of a church. And they're able to read my messages on a blog. Actually, last Thursday, I wrote a blog about how I went to the dentist. And I used the shame that I had going to the dentist as relating it to, I think a lot of people view me as a spiritual dentist. There's shame in their past. And they don't want to enter the doors of the church because they don't want it exposed. And how I got a good dentist, finally. My first dentist used to swear and smoke while he's working on my teeth. I got a good dentist, and the guy's like, it's okay, man. We have all kind of people that have bad teeth. You're all right. We'll take care of you. And I, in the same way we as the church are here to say, it's okay. We all fall. That's why we need a Savior. And, and there was a person from my high school that liked it, and I couldn't believe it. Like, this person was far away from Christ. And yeah. so, in a way, just the avenue to give access to things that edify and an opportunity to hear about Christ are amazing. On the other hand, about seven years ago, I did my niece's wedding. And we had a rehearsal for her wedding, and the, on the rehearsal day, she's up there, and we're going through just what the wedding will be like the next day, but all of her brothers and sisters who are in the wedding party are texting and looking at videos or looking at things. Well, this is her day. This is her day. This, this is, you're supposed to have memories of this day. And so often, we lose memories because we're, we're there, but we're not. We're not there. Alone together. Yeah, and it's that whole idea that we get somewhere so we can tell somebody where we're going to go next. It's weird. It's a weird culture. Rather than just being there and enjoying yeah. the people you're with. You know? So just think about this. Our objective is to get you to engage. Be honest. Is your walk with God really growing? Or is it being hampered by media? Will you pray for us, Jerry? Yeah, no problem. Let's pray, guys. Father, um, normally, this is not a normal sermon that we're giving today, but we do believe it's helpful and and a wonderful way for us to think about how to be salt and light, which this whole Engage series was about. When it comes to uh, technology and social media and the things we choose to engage, we pray that you would help us to do that with wisdom. Uh, your scriptures are very clear in the way that we ought to behave ourselves as your children. Um, and, and there's life in living that way. And we pray that you would... Lord, we pray that you would help us, because in many of these areas, a lot of us might be feeling really weak and convicted. I, I know I am. And we need your help to be able to use these devices, use technology in a good and God-honoring way, rather than in a way that just puffs me up or, or numbs me to the world around us. Lord, uh, it's very easy to be so entertained all the time that we're so entertained that we're bored to death. And I pray that you would reignite in our hearts a love for your scriptures. Help us to love your word. We did a whole series in the fall uh, based around that idea. And we want to be people who, who live godly lives, who delight in you, and that, as we sang, that you would be our vision, that you would be the one that we fix our eyes upon. So Lord, help us to do that. Give us grace where we fall utterly short. 
and continue to pour out your love on us. Uh, it's an honor to be your children and help us, as your scriptures say, live worthy of the calling of the gospel of Christ. We love you and uh, ask these things in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen.